Okay, welcome guys to what is now the third episode in the second series of the Strength Training for Runners podcast brought to you by myself, Tim Edgerton from Foxwood Personal Training in York. Another week of lockdown. Of course, I started this second series as we went into yet another UK-wide lockdown as a result of the COVID pandemic. And so what's happened in the uh, last week of this lockdown? Well, athletics, I think, is still continuing to an extent at the elite level. Um, I saw yesterday Jeffrey Kamawar, three times world half marathon champion, of course, the previous world record hover over the half marathon distance. We talked about that insane half marathon where the first four people went under Jeffrey Kamawar's half marathon record we talked about that in the previous podcast effort episode uh, but Jeffrey Campbell was been signed up to the RAK half marathon which is on February the 21st Helen Abiri has also been signed up to that half marathon on the women's side elite athletics is still going ahead in one shape or another I know um, on, on the domestic level the British indoor championships have been cancelled now although there is due to be a BMC British Milers Club elite event taking place this coming Saturday, uh, this Saturday at Lee Valley, uh, only open to athletes with an elite athlete exemption. So there is some level of elite level athletics going on. Currently, the European Indoor Athletics Championships, it seems like that's still due to take place on March the 5th to the March the 7th. But We'll, we'll see. I guess it could yet still be cancelled. I, I personally, due to the scale of the event and due to the um, scale of the pandemic as well at the moment, my suspicion is the Olympics are going to be cancelled again this summer and we're essentially going to have it postponed until the next Olympic cycle. That That's my prediction. The 2024, I, I imagine, will be the next uh, Olympics. I'm not sure. Obviously, I've, I've not got too much to base this on apart from the nature of uh, what's going on in the world right now but I, I don't think personally the Olympics are going to happen this year um, but there's there's bits and bobs going on but, but in terms of club level athletics and grassroots running the, there's very little going on at the moment there's not much on the on the calendar there's not much to be aiming for with the pandemic as it is here in the UK I've just heard that in the UK, schools are definitely not going to be going back until at least March. And the government have also said that schools will be the first thing to reopen, which essentially means this full-on lockdown is taking place until at least March time. And if we cast our memory back to the first lockdown, when there was a gradual phasing of reopening various things, certainly gyms did not open for another couple of months after the restrictions began to ease. So I think we're in this for the for the long haul. I don't think gyms are going to be opening for many, many months yet. I don't think mass participation running events are going to be taking place anytime soon. So anyone who is looking to do, for example, the London Marathon, I don't think officially it's been cancelled yet, but my suspicion is that that's going to be cancelled. Yeah, we're in a bit of a situation once again where we don't really know what lies ahead competition wise 
but we still got to train. We got to we got to put the work in. We got to carry on training for a time when we are able to compete. What I've done in most of these podcast episodes so far, I suppose, has been talk about strength training for runners from the perspective of someone who's going to be doing their strength work at home, given the fact that all of these episodes have taken place within a UK lockdown. But of course, I guess some of my listeners might not be in the UK. So depending on where you are in the world, you might not be in lockdown right now. You might have access to gyms. You may be able to do your strength training workouts in a very well-equipped environment. Maybe for some of the listeners, it would be beneficial to talk about strength training from the perspective of how do you optimize it in the gym environment compared to what would you do at home in order to make your strength and conditioning routine optimal. So with that in mind, I thought I'd just shift the focus a little bit today and talk of things from a slightly different perspective rather than purely talk about how to do your sessions with minimal to no equipment. Let's let's talk about that equipped environment and how we can optimize things there. Um, obviously, even if we're talking about the UK guys, some of you might have gym equipment at home. You might have used the lock, various lockdown periods that have gone before to buy bits and bobs of gym equipment. So you, so you might be in a fairly well-equipped situation. Everyone's in a different situation, but this episode is going to be geared towards what can we do in the gym environment. Of course, We've got to start with strength. Strength is the underlying thing. We, we, you know, beyond that, we want to work on power. We want to work on explosiveness and other facets uh, that will help transfer that strength into improved running performance. But the underlying foundation is general basic strength. And for me, uh, when I'm training runners within the gym for strength, there are three key main exercises which uh, form the bedrock of most of my strength and conditioning programs for runners and those three exercises are the hip thrust exercise the romanian deadlift exercise and the bulgarian split squat so the hip thrust is a great exercise for developing glute strength and it in particular uh, focuses on end range of motion hip extension strength so the the most of the tension in the movement is at the at the end of the movement where where the hips are fully extended that is the most difficult part of the movement and so that correlates well to running as when the foot strikes the ground uh, during ground contact the your your foot is your hip is already placed in a high level of extension so um, the hip is not particularly flexed at the point of ground contact the hip thrust exercise replicates that in terms of where the highest amount of tension is recorded in the exercise and the next exercise i mentioned was the romanian deadlift which is essentially a stiff leg deadlift you often hear it referred to as the stiff leg deadlift exercise as well the two names are interchangeable so if you ever get confused about the terminology if you hear Romanian deadlift sometimes and on other occasions you hear the term stiff leg deadlift essentially they are the same exercise and it's a hip hinge movement there's very little movement about the knee joint uh, we 
just hinge at the hips whilst maintaining good postural integrity through the spine so you don't want to round the back um, and if you do so obviously whilst holding a bar by your thighs um, letting the arms dangle down straight in front of you then as you hinge forwards at the hip with minimal knee bend and whilst maintaining good posture through the spine you'll get an extremely strong hamstring stretch once the bar is lowered to around about knee level it really stretches out the hamstrings and then you have to recruit the hamstrings to come out of that position and return to a standing upright position so it's a great hamstring strength uh, exercise but it also emphasizes hip strength hip extension strength in the beginning of that uh, range of motion so where we talked about with the hip thrust that it focuses on end range of motion strength um, and the most amount of tension in the exercise is found at the finishing part of the exercise in, in essence when you those final few degrees of motion the opposite is true in this Romanian deadlift exercise those first few uh, degrees of movement coming out of the bottom of of the movement are where tension in the musculature is at its highest and as a result the two exercises really complement each other well because one, if you do both of these hip extension movements between the two you're strengthening the full range of motion so they're really complementary exercises it's also really useful that you get a strong stretch under tension in the hamstring muscles with the Romanian deadlift exercise uh, because the hamstrings are rapidly stretched under tension when running in particular when running at high speed so when the leg swings through as in the final part of the leg recovery before the foot strikes the ground the hamstrings are rapidly placed under quite a high tensile stretch um, and so we can replicate that with the Romanian deadlift exercise so these two these first two exercises are fairly running specific in terms of the nature of the stress that are placed on the muscles and then my third kind of favorite go-to exercise in the gym for runners when developing basic all-round strength is the bulgarian split squat exercise and this is more of an overall leg developer it works the glutes it works the quads it works the hamstrings a little bit le less so the hamstrings but it does does involve the hamstrings of course due to the multi-joint nature of the movement um, and like I say it's an overall leg developer it's just good for general leg strength uh, but it's also a good hip opener uh, so the Bulgarian split squat involves placing your rear foot on an elevated object you may also hear this exercise referred to as the rear foot elevated split squat bit of a mouthful bit of a long-winded way of naming an exercise but it is at least very descriptive and you get a good idea of what's involved in the exercise so your rear foot is placed on it could be placed on a weight bench the single leg squat stands that are available on the market these days so you could place it on uh, one of those which is a, a very comfortable way of doing the exercise which is great um, if you were at home you could place the rear foot on a chair or a sofa um, any object of a suitable height will do but generally speaking a weights bench will usually be at about the right height um, and you place that rear foot on that 
objects such as a bench. Take a big step forwards with your front foot so you're in a kind of a lunge type position apart from the fact that your rear foot has been elevated and from there you simply drop down into a squat and then come back up out of that squat so you're lowering your center of mass raising your center of mass and you're doing a version of a single leg squat it's not a pure single leg squat of course because you do both feet are in contact with a surface um, of course at different heights and so both feet and both legs will contribute to the movement somewhat uh, but it is very much single leg in nature the front foot will be doing the majority of the work and as a result of that it's running it's more running specific as an exercise because obviously running is a single leg activity only one foot is ever in contact with the ground at any given point uh, we never run with both feet in contact with the ground at the same time and so if we can perform some exercises that are a little bit more single leg in nature there will, that will have benefits in terms of the specific nature of running from that perspective. Um, so it's useful to do the exercise from that perspective because it's a single leg exercise. It's also useful to do the exercise because it op really opens up the hip. It places a big stretch on the hip flexor muscles which can help improve stride length, help can, can help with glute recruitment as well. Overly tight hip flexors often impact on our ability to recruit glutes. So there's a second benefit from the exercise there. Um, and the third benefit is the fact that it hits the glutes primarily in a stretched out position so the glutes are under the greatest amount of tension uh, when they are in a stretched position at the bottom of this squat movement with this particular exercise and so once again it complements the hip thrust exercise really well because the opposite is true of that hip thrust where the glutes are under their most amount of tension at the top of the movement when in those final few degrees of motion when the glutes are in a shortened contracted position that's when they're working the hardest that's when they're, they're under the greatest amount of tension the opposite is true here with the Bulgarian split squat when you move into the bottom portion of the split squat the bottom part of the movement where you're low down to the floor uh, the glutes are stretched out in this position and that's the point within the movement where they're placed under the highest amount of tension. So these three different exercises really complement each other well in terms of overall development and all three of those exercises in their own rights are useful in terms of developing the runner. You could create a rationale for each exercise in its own right as a useful exercise for a runner but the three of them combined together kind of fill in the, the gaps where one one exercise falls short the other kind of fills in that gap and so put them all together and you've got a nice robustly put together kind of um, series of exercises which create a well-rounded strength development program for a runner. I've mentioned, I think I've mentioned possibly all of these exercises before in previous podcast episodes, but certainly I'll have mentioned hip thrusts and certainly I'll have mentioned Bulgarian split squats because those are both quite easy to replicate in the home environment as well. 
there do need to be modifications and changes for sure the Rom the romanian deadlift is going to be the trickiest one to replicate at home um, but there are even with that there are lots of useful hamstring alternative we can use in terms of exercises that focus on hamstring development but it is going to be harder unless you've got a decent amount of weight it's going to be harder to replicate that particular exercise at home in a in a useful way but with the hip thrust exercise all we need to do with the hip thrust exercise in order to make use of that in the home exercise in the home environment without equipment is go single leg so whereas in the gym we would have a barbell placed across the hips in order to provide additional load we don't have that option in the home environment but if we go single leg, just work one leg at a time, you're essentially doubling the amount of load going through that leg by only working one leg at a time, which makes it a pretty challenging exercise just using body weight alone. With the Bulgarian split squat, certainly if you're new to the exercise, you wouldn't want to be adding any load anyway. You'd just be doing it as a body weight exercise anyway. Even if you were in an equipped gym, you'd start off with body weight only. Um, Bulgarian split squats anyway so we can pretty much exactly replicate that in the home training environment simply by placing the back foot on a sofa rather than placing it on a bench of course once you've developed a certain level of proficiency in that exercise you are going to be wanting to progress to using weights but that's not difficult to achieve in the home environment anyway instead of loading yourself up with a barbell or with dumbbells or a kettlebell or whatever form of weight you're going to be using you can simply grab a rucksack fill your rucksack up with a load of books place that rucksack over your shoulders and bingo you've you've got some added resistance some added load and you can go ahead and perform the exercise so that's easy to do easy to replicate in the home uh, environment but I guess the limitation possible limitation in terms of training at home compared to uh, training in the gym is in, as an overall leg strength developer you are, that's probably your main single option you, you there's lunge exercises as well um, but lunges and Bulgarian split squats and uh, standard split squats where both feet are on the floor uh, those are those are going to be your main options obviously in the gym environment you do have the potential to get a little bit more variety in there you could do barbell back squats you could do barbell front squats and various other exercises you could even use a leg press you know the leg press machine there's, there's scope for more variety and variety is good to an extent uh, to keep things interesting and, and to uh, change the stimulus on the body um, so there is a little bit more scope for variety within the gym environment and and i would probably and i would use those other options if i was working one-to-one -one with a runner in a gym uh, for sure i would use back squats sometimes as long as they can perform the exercise with a certain level of competency you know making sure their technique is good i wouldn't i, I would still use the bulgarian split squat exercise more frequently than the back squat exercise because uh, with back squats it does put more load through the spine so you do need to be careful not to overdo it with runners you don't want to be putting too much load through the spine you know there's enough compression spine as it is with all the mileage runners are doing every time the foot strikes the ground you've got that impact that compression on the spine so you don't want to be compounding on that by uh, putting a 
additional weight on your back too often and and just putting more load through the spine in the weights room as well it's useful maybe to do some back squats from time to time just to put some variety in there but you, but you do have to be careful for that same reason i really don't rate deadlifts heavy deadlifts conventional i know i talked about Romanian deadlifts, they're great as an exercise. They tend not to put so much stress through the spine, but regular conventional deadlifts where you're lifting the weight off the floor and there's a high degree of movement through the knee joint as well as the hip joint, I'm not keen on that particular exercise for runners, especially if you're going heavy because it just puts so much load through the spine and, and I think it puts too much load through the spine and it's just too hard to recover from. The, the lower back in particular seems to be a muscle group that takes a long time to recover from heavy and hard training and certainly in my experience uh, as in my days as a fairly high level competitive middle distance runner, I found that if I, I did do heavy deadlifts in the weights room, it would really ruin my week's training. I would really struggle in even in my steady runs to stride out properly when you're not even striding out that much in, a, in an easy steady run it would really limit my ability to run well and efficiently and with good form and in a relaxed manner I would I'd really struggle and in particular when if I tra was trying to run at any kind of speed in a track session or an interval session on the road or on the trails if I'd done some heavy deadlifts in the days leading up to that and even many, many days leaving, like five days in advance of that, for example, my ability to perform in the running sessions would be impacted way too much. So I quickly learned in my running career, heavy deadlifts are not a good idea for runners. The Romanian deadlift or stiff leg deadlift is a much better alternative, but conventional deadlifts, for me, I, I think not so much. Other good options instead, as kind of general lower body developers, general leg developers, might be the goblet squat, where you hold a dumbbell or kettlebell at the chest, um, and perform squats it's it takes a lot of less load through the spine compared to say a barbell back squat so it is a good option but it's you're going to be limited in terms of how much you can load that particular exercise up but for beginners just starting their journey into in the weights room it, it is a good option and then perhaps some more rare options might be something like a, a belt squat so and not many people would have access to this but some gyms you will find a belt squat machine where a belt you wear a belt around the waist and then attached to that belt is a lever which goes down through your legs and then there's a, there's a cable system essentially but it enables you to perform squats without any load going through your spine and it enables you to really load up the exercise heavily as well so pretty rare chances are you're not going to be in a gym that has one of those machines but if you were it, it could be a very good option for you in terms of developing leg strength in a multi-joint movement that's relevant to running without putting too much load through the spine it could be a really good option if you happen to be in a gym with one of these machines i would i wouldn't recommend using a leg press machine generally speaking they limit the range of motion there's an incomplete range of motion with leg press machines in general and that limit the limitation is with the end range of motion so with a leg press machine 
you usually are unable to achieve full hip extension and we really want to be doing that when we are performing our compound leg exercises. By compound leg exercises I'm talking about multi-joint so we can differentiate between isolation exercises which use one muscle group in focus on using one particular muscle group rather than multiple muscle groups and usually there's only movement through one joint with those exercises and then comp compound exercises are the opposite of that where there's movement through multiple joints and multiple muscle groups are being involved and we really want to achieve full hip extension with these as runners we really want to be achieving full hip extension with these exercises and the leg press machine generally does not allow for that so you know there's various different options within the weight room environment but leg press is probably not one that I would I would recommend going for so that's kind of your strength development your general basic strength development covered and catered for but obviously we need to work on power as well power is an important quality in order to get that transfer effect i've talked about that before the fact that general basic strength exercises are generally done at a slow controlled tempo which is not all that relevant to running when you run your foot's only in contact with the ground for a fraction of a second when the leg moves through the recovery portion of the stride it does so at quite a fast speed and so in order to have this improved level of leg strength transferring across in to improve running ability some of the movements we do need to be done faster and we need to be generating more power as opposed to more sort of brute force if you like power exercises need to be in the program as well as general strength exercises and Olympic lifts, and when I say Olympic lifts, I'm talking about the clean and jerk and the snatch exercises, essentially the two weightlifting movements that you will see when you watch weightlifting at the Olympics. These Olympic lifts are often recommended as really good power exercises for runners and track and field athletes in general to be doing, and they, they are great exercises because they involve very high power outputs. They involve a coordinated triple extension through the hip, ankle, and knee joints, and a full triple extension at that. So you will be getting full extension of the hip. So everything I talked about with the leg press machine just before, in terms of why to avoid it, the, the opposite is true here. We, we're getting a full and coordinated extension through all of the joints of the lower body. In, in a powerful movement as well. So for those reasons, they are quite specific to runners and they, they do have a lot of benefits for runners. But the problem is they're very difficult to learn and they're very difficult to perform with a high degree of technical competence. And you do need a fairly high degree of technical competence in order to generate a lot of power. So if you're really poor with your technique you're not actually going to be able to produce all that much power so it's less of a there's a safety element to it as well obviously if you've got really bad technique it's probably not going to be all that safe for you to perform and you might injure yourself but also it's just the effectiveness of the exercise is going to be dependent on your technique as well if you can perform olympic lifts cleans jerks snatches with really good technique 
then they will be effective in having that transfer effect in, in helping you to get that transfer of improved strength crossing over to improved running performance. But if your technique isn't great, they're not going to do an awful lot for you. Personally, I've found that we can break it down into derivative movements. We don't have to do the full movements. So, for example, we can do hang cleans and hang snatches instead of full cleans and full snatches. So, let me just talk about these movements for a little bit. So, a clean is where the bar is lifted from resting on the ground up to the shoulders in one smooth movement. That's a simplified way of saying it. When I say one smooth movement, there's, there are several different components to the movement, but the bar does not come to a standstill at any point. The bar continues moving throughout the clean exercise until it's resting at the shoulders. And it starts at the floor and it's lifted until it's resting at the shoulders. This snatch exercise involves lifting the bar from a point at which it's resting on the floor all the way through to an overhead position. So the arms are locked out overhead with the snatch position in the finishing position. We can perform the full version of these exercises, which would be called a, a clean or a snatch, or we can perform them from hang. And the hang position usually involves starting the movement from about with the bar at about knee level. And it's much easier from a technique perspective to perform these exercises from hang position. Additionally, I personally think the clean exercise is less technically demanding than the snatch exercise. So the snatch is the one where you finish overhead. The clean is the exercise where you finish it with the bar at shoulder level. And so for me, based on what I've just said there, I think the easiest exercise to get a good technical grasp of is the hang clean. Um, and so I've used the hang clean with a number of large number of runners quite successfully but if necessary we, we can break it down even more so we can do even smaller components of this exercise which maybe I'll, I'll talk about in another episode maybe we can have a whole episode just talking about olympic lifts how to break them down into small derivatives but even even the smallest derivatives you know really breaking it right down can be pretty difficult for some people to grasp the technique on to some such an extent that I think oftentimes it's it's just not worthwhile, especially if you're not getting coached in person. If you've not got a knowledgeable coach with you helping you work through the technique, the chances are it's not worth going down that avenue. And even even sometimes people working with me uh, I, as a strength and conditioning coach myself, I'm working with a run, I'm working with an athlete. Uh, I know what I'm doing. I, kn I know that all the technical points, the coaching cues, um, I'm well versed in all of that. Sometimes with a runner, I'll make the decision, look, it's not worth pursuing this avenue for you. We need to go down the route of performing simpler exercises from a, a technical 
point of view. And some of those more simple choices would be things such as box jumps, squat jumps, kettlebell swings. Those are going to be some of the best alternatives. And the great thing about those exercises is actually that they're the most they're mostly easy to implement at home as well. So a box jump is is what it sounds like. Uh, you have a, a box in front of you it might be the height of the box is going to depend on how much power you can produce how much how high you can jump uh, but you jump from ground level up onto the box it requires a forceful explosion into the air you're generating that triple extension at the hip knee and ankle joint that we've talked about you're producing that power in order to get the height off the ground and by jumping onto the box it gives you like a target to aim for so it, it helps you um produce more power because you, you know you've got to you get get the height in order to land on the box so it gives you a incentive if if you like compared to say a squat jump where you're just jumping for you're squatting down and then jumping up for maximum height from that squat position but with no real incentive in terms of how high you need to get this the box jump versus the squat jump the box jump can be more beneficial because that incentive uh, can help an individual to produce more power but that said and done the, the squat jump is probably a safer exercise some nasty accidents do sometimes happen with box jumps if if the athlete doesn't quite get the jump right they might smack their shins on the box or their knees on the box or or just stumble and fall over um, so some nasty accidents can happen with box jumps if you're not careful so for me personally I prefer squat jumps it's just safer yeah you don't have that that same kind of incentive that target that you've got with a box but safety first i think safety first if, if you're self-motivated and you can get in the right mindset and you can really have that kind of level of controlled aggression that you take into each jump and really just put maximum impetus and effort and focus into each squat jump then you can still get a lot out of it and you can still produce an awful lot of uh, power and so for me personally, I would go with squat jumps over box jumps, but both both can be suitable alternatives. You just you need to be aware of the risks if you're going to do the box jumps. And kettlebell swings, of course, are a great alternative to Olympic lifts as well um, in terms of producing power output. It's this dynamic hip movement where you're trying to snap through with the hips and then allow the kettlebell sw to swing up. You're holding a kettlebell in your hands with nice straight arms, which act as a lever, um, and the, the kettlebell will swing up to sort of face height, but you're not using your upper body to achieve that swing. So you're not trying to yank the weight up with your arms. That's all occurring as a result of men men momentum. So you need to have a really strong, powerful hip drive to get the weight moving, to get the kettlebell moving. And if you've produced enough power, the weight will then swing up until your arms are parallel to the ground, the weight's in front of your face. Um, if you've not produced a, enough power, the, the kettlebell won't travel high enough. So you've got that incentive there, if you like, to produce the power because you've got that feedback. If the kettlebell isn't swinging high enough, you know you've not produced enough power. And if you can easily get the kettlebell to swing high enough, then you simply need to move up in weight. And so you can see your progression and you've got the incentive to produce the power. And so for the, that reason, it does, it 
it has the same benefits that the box jump has uh, without some of those hazards and risks. So, so for that reason, I like the kettlebell swing exercise. Going back to the home gym environment, not everyone has that at home. And so one of the main exercises I personally recommend to my athletes I'm training um, at home is the is a squat jump and it's it's a fantastic exercise for developing power and there's a lot of research that's been done on the exercise and in actual fact even if you were in the gym environment and you had access to dumbbells and barbells you wouldn't want to be loading up the squat jump exercise anyway because with squat jumps you produce more power when you simply perform it using body weight alone. If you perform a barbell squat jump with weight on your shoulders or a dumbbell squat jump where you, uh, you've got weight by your sides, power output will go down compared to if you perform the exercise just using your body weight. So it's a great exercise for at home. It's, it's a great exercise for in the gym as well if you're not competent with the Olympic lifts and it's maximized by just using body weight. So those are kind of my recommendations for power development. It really depends on your technical competency. If, if you can perform cleans and snatches and what have you with great technique, fantastic. But if, if your technique is not there, it's just not going to be worthwhile and it's, it's not going to be worth doing. We kind of covered core training within the gym and away from the gym last week. I think I talked about the pal-off press with cable machines and how we can replicate that with bands. But coming to think of it, there's, there's probably a core exercise or two that maybe I forgot to mention so let's uh, to, just to finish this episode off maybe let's touch a little bit on that again so one core exercise that I really like is the candlestick exercise so I learned this exercise the name I learned for this exercise was the candlestick exercise but I've come to believe that not many people actually know this exercise by that name and it's more commonly known as the dragon flag exercise so once again as with other exercises I've mentioned you may see different wordings or different namings for the exercise so I believe candlesticks dragon flags it's it's the same exercise essentially and it involves lying on a weight bench I think you you, you could do it without lying on a weight bench but I think you need something to hold on to. Um, I think it works best on a weight bench, hence why it's, it's best done in the gym environment. It would be more difficult to replicate at home, but if you had something sturdy you could hold on to, maybe you could do it. But anyway, in the gym environment, you'll be lying on a weights bench and you'll grab either side of the bench with your hands and then you're gonna hike yourself up. So you're gonna be just, uh, your points of contact are gonna be sort of the upper back around about the shoulder blade region and obviously your hands grabbing hold of the bench as well. The rest of your body is kind of vertical so you, your legs are sticking up vertically above your head, you, you're in a straight line as possible vertically speaking and then slowly 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 keeping your body as straight as possible, don't break at the hips, try to keep your hips straight, your knees straight, everything nice and long and straight and we've talked about how that is specific to running in terms of maintaining good posture. We want to run upright. So this is, this is relevant to runners. This is great for runners. But you want to maintain a straighter position with the body as possible and slowly lower yourself down. Lower yourself down under slow, slow control until 
um, your body and your legs and everything is flat to the bench. And then if you have the strength to do so, start slowly raising yourself back up again until you're essentially vertical again. Again, keeping everything straight, nice long lines, no breaking at the hips, no bending the knees, just keeping everything long, everything straight. If you can manage to do that, that it takes a high level of core strength to do that, but it is a great strengthening exercise for the core that is quite relevant to runners um, because is essentially recruiting the core in a in a straight and elongated kind of posture rather than what the, what we talked about we don't want to do we don't want to be doing crunches and sit-ups which involve recruiting the core in a shortened position this is this is the opposite of that which makes it quite relevant and quite useful to runners the problem with it is it requires such a high level of strength in order to do it well so it's not something you would jump straight into you're gonna work up to being able to do that maybe a exercise that can help you work towards that and is something i don't think another core exercise i don't think i've actually mentioned before is the humble ab wheel rollout so we've all seen these ab wheels you, you can get them for about five pounds on amazon and, and other places and it's, it's got a handle either side of a wheel and you hold um, the handle on either side of the wheel with your hands you're resting on your knees on a, on a cushion surface a, cush, a cushion itself a, a living room cushion would work just fine and then you roll out the handle until you're really stretched out and then you try and roll back again and it really recruits the core again in a stretched out position um, and it's it, it, it can be quite tough it can you can get some good I say good you, you, you can get some soreness in the abdominals as in the subsequent days after performing this exercise if you're not used to it so that would maybe be a stepping stone to performing the candlesticks and dragon flags but take your time with this don't rush into them start off with your basic planks and your side planks and all of the stuff I talked about in previous episodes your pal-off presses shoulder taps your press planks all of those are your first point of call but of course eventually those variations which we've gone into in detail previously eventually they're going to become endurance type exercises they're not going to challenge your strength that too much once you've developed that level of competency with them and so a progression to that would be performing something like the candlestick or the dragon flag but just take your time don't rush it there's no rush doing that straight away this could be something you work towards doing in a year's time or five years time or who knows 10 years time really don't rush it you don't want to be rushing this it's 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 a marathon not a sprint to use a running analogy there's no rush there just take your time I think that we'll leave it there i've hoped to i hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode gone into more detail on gym-based strength and conditioning today obviously we've had we've talked about that crossover between gym-based stuff and home-based stuff still if you've got suggestions for future episodes please drop me a message at foxwood personal training you can find me on instagram at foxwood personal training you can find me on facebook facebook.com forward slash foxwood personal training or you could go to my website 
foxwoodpersonaltraining.co.uk and you can use the inquiry form on the website to send me a message however you choose to do so please get in touch I'd love to hear from you whether it's to suggest future podcast episodes or whether it's just to let me know you're enjoying the podcast or or whatever the case may be really just just get in touch I'd love to hear from you if you are enjoying the podcast and you'd like to show your appreciation I'll also leave the link to my coffee page where if you feel so inclined to do so you can donate the cost of a coffee to help support the podcast and support future episodes uh, until then i'll see you in the next episode of strength training for runners all right see you later guys